I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Thursday, April 30, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We're going to take a look at the first thing that jumps off the daily chart at me. However, what we're also going to do is take a look at some of the intraday activity. The intraday charts are going to give us a clue from a shorter time frame, a shorter perspective what's likely to happen sooner than later. And then what we're going to do is go back up to the larger time frames and put a bow around it, tie it all together, and I'll give you what I think is going on. What we're going to do is take a little bit of a trip inside my head. You all know that inside my head is a dangerous place to be. If you're new here, you're going to find out shortly. What's the first thing that jumps off the page at me when I look at the daily chart of the spider? Nothing's changed since yesterday. I'm still staring at the convergence of moving averages inside that range, the zone that we identified yesterday, 297.5 up to 302.5, give or take, on either side. The S&P 500 was down almost 1% today, about 27 points. Are we going to make a federal case out of that? No, we're not. Why not? Because look where the market was just seven or eight days ago. We were already down here at a low of 272 on the 21st of this month. So to put that in perspective, from that low to yesterday's high was roughly 200 S&P handles. So the market pulled back 27 points today, the S&P did. Is that a big deal? No, it's not. Does that take the higher prices off the table? No, it doesn't. Can we have some more southern or downside activity before that takes place? Sure we can. Why not? Could this be another pullback in the same pattern formation that we've seen? Up move, pullback. Up move, pullback. Up move. Can we have another pullback and then another up move. Of course we can. I don't know exactly that that's going to happen, but there's no reason that that can't happen. What takes that off the table? What takes any more upside off the table? Well, here it is. It's 281, but there's even a spot north of 281. From an intraday perspective, based on hourly closes and even shorter-term closes than that, if price is significantly lower than it is today... Inside the numbers, members will certainly have a beat on a change in character, a change in trend in the market. Let's do another exercise real quick. 287.30 was the previous high that we essentially broke out above. Now we seem to be coming back already to test that high. It doesn't have to happen that soon, but it generally does happen. We talk about this all the time. So when I identify something like that on a daily chart, The next thing I like to do is go look at some of the other charts from an intraday perspective and see where that 287.30 comes in. When I look at the same market using different time frames, I get a different perspective. How about we start with a 15-minute chart? So you see here there's a gap. So it's pretty close to that gap. So it's within the margin of error, if you will. This is also the same area. This is obviously and clearly a breakout area, so the market gapped up, and it's doing what? It's coming back to test a former breakout area, or the 
last breakout area. Okay, fair enough. What else do we have on the board? Well, when you look over to today's activity, the intraday afternoon activity, what we had here is from this morning we had a move down and then we basically had one of these bearish wedgish formations. So this comprises the gap down this morning and then it basically is the eating time off the clock routine that the market did for the majority of the day. It was basically in a chop shop formation. We're going to talk a little bit more about the intraday activity and get more specific in a moment. But there's a method to the madness, so let me go on with this concept. So here, what this is telling us is we're going to get a continuation move in the downward direction. Now, if in fact market symmetry has any hand over here, they're probably not going to stop only at this gap right here. They're probably going to go a little bit more. Well, what's down below? We have another area where the market gapped up to and it basically ate some time off the clock and then it did it again. So if in fact the market wasn't going to stop at this 287.30 area, and by the way, intraday, they may play some games and get pretty deep below that. However, check this out. Let's say they come down to the next area, the next best breakout area, which would be right down here. This is also what's known as a gap window. We'll call it 285 for argument's sake. Remember 285? Inside the numbers members will remember 285. These numbers repeat over and over and over again. We had one today on the board. As long as we know where the market turns bullish and where it turns more bearish or bearish to begin with, then I can guarantee you this. If you know that, you have more information than 99% of the traders out there. Now, here's where I was going with that. Let's say the market comes down and it comes all the way down to 285, 286, 285 and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood. Let's say it goes long past 287.30 and it looks like this is it. It looks like the market is failing and that's what they want it to look like. The market's job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. That's the way the market works. So from an intraday perspective, they're going to do all kinds of stuff. But let's say this happens. Let's say they come somewhere down in this zone on Friday. 285, 286, somewhere in that neighborhood. It's below 287.30. However, let's say they close the day back above 287.30. That, my friends, is the makings of a rope-a-dope. Remember... They want you to think the market's failing and then all of a sudden it's not failing. And then what happens? The pie in the face. It's an awareness that you have to have. And the 287.30 is more than an awareness. Let's get this off the chart. Let's go back to the daily chart for a second. You have to get a visual of this. So the market comes down below the former high. Looks like things are failing. They're headed to 281. It looks bad. It feels bad. The news is bad. You know the routine. They're talking the market down. It's bad news with the coronavirus. It's bad news with the economy. Things aren't opening up as quick as we thought. Whatever it is, it's somewhere in there. It's below the 287.30. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the afternoon, the market creeps back up. It's above 287.30. Closes the day pretty good, well above 287.30. Guess what? What happens next week? They go and get the moving averages. What prevents that from happening? For sure, closing the day below 281. And that's pretty much what you need to know. Now, 
I want to distinguish something before we look at some additional charts. Let's distinguish what we just went over and what some folks are looking for. And what we're going to call these folks are prediction predators. I get hammered by people saying, you never tell us anything. You're always hedging. You're always telling us both sides of the market. That's right. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to give you both sides of the market. So regardless of what's happening the next day, you have the routine. The problem is some folks are looking for something that doesn't exist. You're looking for the magic bullet. What you're really looking for is somebody to tell you, buy puts today because the market's going to be down in the morning or buy calls today because the market's going to be up in the morning. You're looking to buy weekly calls. You're looking for the big score and you keep losing over and over and over again and you keep looking for somebody else. So everybody that doesn't give you the answer is a piece of shit. I get it. Hey, look, this is a business where you're absolutely only as good as your last trade. Back in our lane over here, what is the hourly chart saying? The hourly chart is the same thing as the last chart we looked at, which was a 15-minute chart. It's giving us a bearish, wedgish formation. We know that one. It's this down move, and then it's this flag, wedge, whatever, should have a continuation move down. Now, if symmetry is going to play a role, it's going to come all the way down in here. It's a crooked line and it's not to scale, but you get the point. Does symmetry have to play? It doesn't have to play, but it can play. Remember, 285. A lot of traders want to get bearish right away. Taking a look at the 120-minute chart, what's going on here? We're still above all the moving averages. If we dipped down below for a candle or two, the 20-period moving average, but stayed well above the 50-period moving average, would that change the makeup of this chart? No, not really. You have to look at this thing with an open mind. Check your bias at the door. Keep it in your back pocket. You have to be an umpire calling balls and strikes. Don't be the prediction predator. How about a short hop? Let's go over and check out inside the numbers. I'm going to run through the commentary. We'll take a look at stocks on the move. But what we're going to do is only highlight a couple of things because the market was basically in a chop shop formation most of the day. Basically, we knew one thing. If they gave up 2900 on the ES contract, the big fat round number, they were going to trade down roughly about 15 handles. Handles equals a point. So 15 or so points in the S&P. That is pretty much what happened. Let's scroll down a little bit. You can read at your leisure. We'll take a look at stocks on the move. We will look at the charts. We're going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Four stocks from the list hit their price objective today. After we're finished with the commentary, we'll take a look at the charts. Scrolling right along, right out of the chute, inside my head, early thoughts. We're talking about the morning shakeout. We won't know until after the open or if they give up 2,900 before the open. So already we're focused on 2,900 right out of the gate. Before we go over any more of the notes, there were three main numbers of importance today. We can translate them over to the SPY, but the main item was 2914, 2900, and 2885. There was another number down below, but price never got there, so we don't have to discuss it. You'll see it for yourself when we run through the notes. Having the numbers is everything. We knew if they gave up 2900, they were going to go down to the next major area of importance, 2885. They actually went to 2883 and a quarter. And then what? Back up to 2900 and then some back and forth 
chop shop formation, creating the bearish wedgish flaggish pattern. You can see 2886 peeking through. We changed it later to 2885. Nevertheless, this is on the board way early in the morning, long before price ever got there. About before the open, 925. You probably get the point by now. I'm just gonna scroll around. You start and stop the video at your leisure. Read the notes if you're interested in the tour guide thing for the market during the day, then this is something that can certainly benefit you. You've got to read the notes, look at the charts, look at the time, see what happened when, and see if it's something that you think can benefit you throughout the trading day. The market was basically back and forth. So you see, 2914, 2900, 2885, 2886, whatever it is, it was the general zone. The market did what it was supposed to do, when it got through a certain number, it went to the next number. You have to know your numbers. Let's finish this up, and then what we'll do is go take a look at some of the charts from Stocks on the Move. There's the finishing of Inside the Numbers. When the market winds up in a chop shop formation for hours and hours and hours, the bigger picture is it's doing something. The smaller picture is there's nothing to do. Listen, cash is a position. Traders tend to get itchy trigger fingers. We all know that. Here's one you can chew on. The traders who make the least amount of trades, right? These are the pro traders. You have to compare apples to apples. Traders that make the least amount of trades make the most amount of money. Part of that is counterintuitive. The reason they make the most amount of money is because they take the least amount of losses. They're only taking the trades that slap them in the face twice. We'll take a look at some of the stocks on the move. The first one we'll look at is Zoom. Zoom played a little bit of a rope-a-dope, so it was getting a haircut at the open, and in this candle here, you see the low is 135.77, a few pennies above the suggested retail price. The next candle, the low was 135.83, again, a few pennies above the suggested retail or entry price. So they're hanging above the number for like 45 minutes. No wonder the next candle busted through the number. However, what you can see is the importance of this price area. And what you can also see is a good example of something we discuss all the time. There are two options with stocks on the move. Stocks are headed to a destination. So as a result of that, they're either going to turn around and come back in the other direction, or they're going to hang out for a cup of coffee, then make a decision if they're going to go back home or continue to another location. This one is hanging out for a cup of coffee. However, it still goes to show you the importance of understanding the numbers. Think about it for a minute. Why wasn't 140 on the board? 141, 139. 140 is a round number. Why wasn't the stock going to get a bounce, at least something that I was willing to trade at 140 rather than 135.65? Where does that come from? Don't worry about where it comes from. I know my numbers. Not always right. The 80-20 rule. 20% of the trades are still going to be wrong. And here's the deal. You never know which ones are going to give you the rocket ride, which ones are going to hang out for a cup of coffee, which ones are going to give you 50 cents. And that's why what I like my traders to do is take some profit along the way, call it 1%, and then let the rest go and see if you can catch the rocket ride. How about Bud? Closing yesterday, 48.92, getting sliced and diced a little bit, at least for Bud it is. So we come up with a number long before the market opens, 
55. Need I say more? Now, not in love with the fact that the stock basically ate time off the clock and then came into the number and it ate time off the clock right above the number. So a lot of traders won't take that trade because that's what they were taught. It's not the point. The point is the number still worked. When the stock does that, it changes the trade, but the number still worked. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Neo, same routine. Another one that just stayed for a cup of coffee. It bounced around and it gave plenty of traders ample opportunity to make money, but it never gave a rocket ride. Basically went back and forth in a chop shop all day long between the opening range high and the opening range low. And then it basically drifted lower into the end of the day. But once again, you can see the importance of the number. Stock closed yesterday at 31. My number was 2802. Why not 29, 29 and a quarter, 2875? That's the point. This is a unique opportunity. Even when we don't get the rocket ride, you can see the numbers still work. Every day can't be a blockbuster trading day. Today was not a blockbuster trading day. 20% of the time, we're going to have a pie in the face. In this case, it's like a reverse pie in the face. Why is that? Because I like to use that term when the shorts get a pie in the face. Here, I was the pie in the face, buying OLN, never getting the trade. I have to show the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's going to be losing trades. This was one of them for me. Did I get killed? No, it's a losing trade. You move on. There's another one tomorrow. Most likely, more than one tomorrow. We're real people here. We're just saying it the way it is. Here's a sidebar, a little bit of a short hop. Why do some of you come to me in an email and say, what's inside the numbers? Can I see it? Can I get a trial? I'm showing you everything that's inside the numbers. I'm wondering if some of you watch the video right up into the point when I start going over inside the numbers and then you leave. Why do you leave? To send me an email asking what's inside the numbers. All right, we got a clean ball back to the pitcher, Camp IWM. Is that a top yesterday and is the market now going to collapse? We don't need this line. I don't want you to get the impression that it's any kind of support or anything like that. We had it on there from before. We're above it. It was to be resistance until it wasn't. Can the IWM come back to run a test of the 50 period moving average? Yeah, sure, it can. And if it does and stays above on a daily chart closing basis, that's a bullish sign and it's just a pullback getting ready or set, cocking the gun for another run higher. Close back below the 50 period moving average, more specifically below 123.86. And I would have to say that's trouble for the bulls. Bears have the ball. That'll certainly be showtime because that'll also put the market back into the breakout area. But if they're going to make a further run higher in the IWM, for example, up north of 140, say to the 143 area, or even higher, maybe to the moving average at 145, 146. If they're going to do that, they have no business being back down near that 20 period moving average, for example. Hourly chart looks the same as the SPY, same as the S&P 500. They already filled a gap, so they're not in the same position on the chart. The S&P 500 did not fill a gap underneath current price. IWM did, but the chart looks the same. They both have that bearish, wedgish, flaggish thing going on. Transportation department, hourly chart, same deal. Daily chart, same deal as the IWM. 
Isn't it ironic that the IWM and the transports look very similar to each other? They are my number one and two favorite market-leading indicators. Transports are in a class by themselves as my single favorite canary in the coal mine. Can yesterday be a top in the transports? It can, but until and unless the market proves itself on the downside, until and unless the bears can prove their case, then it's just a down day. This was a hefty down day, almost 3% down, so we have to take note of that. That's a puzzle piece that's on the table, but we didn't have heavier volume than we did yesterday. So we had heavier volume on an up day than we did on the down day. That's another puzzle piece that's also on the table. If it was flipped around in the other direction, I would say that's more bearish than the other. Anything wrong with the cues? Now, mind you, the cues are down a little bit after hours as a result of Amazon coming off a little bit. But you have to put it in perspective. Amazon was $2,475. It's $2,350. It's not down that much. If it ends up being down a lot more, can it impact the NASDAQ and across the board? Sure it can. But right now, it's just down a little bit. Apple reported earnings. Now here's a crap out. They spike it up over 300 and have a reversal. That could spell trouble for tomorrow. We don't know where Apple or Amazon is going to open up at 9.30 a.m. on Friday. We're just looking at the chart now, and there's a lot of room left in terms of runway, in terms of time after hours. So right now, it's down. Could be up 15 minutes from now. We won't be watching it then. We'll be checking out the XLF. Now here's an interesting one. So could that be a top from yesterday? Now we're back below the 50-period moving average. That's interesting. Are we going to come back into the same zone, into around the 20-period moving average that we just identified on the IWM and the transports? You know what we always say, and this is a big down day for the financials, down over 3%. You know what we always say, without the financials, the market's unlikely to get very far in either direction. It'll be interesting to see what we get on Friday. Are we going to get one of those... Nobody wants to hold them into the weekend, so everybody throw up everything into the close? Or will we get a Friday float and they go out relatively strong? How about Smash Mouth? Now this one raises an eyebrow. Down 4%, almost 6 bucks, came right back in and closed below the 100 period moving average. Now, here's the deal. It's up a lot. It's not really bearish on the chart from a short-term perspective. However... We're aware of a couple of things. So here's the short term. The short term is an uptrend, but it's also a channel, right? So the top of the channel is somewhere over here, and the bottom of the channel is somewhere over here. And also, this is a big down move. So from a longer perspective, we could certainly be getting one of these. I understand that. It's not lost on me. In any of these markets, it's not lost on me. The one thing we have to note is, why did they close below the 100 period moving average today? Other than the fact that price was below there, the point is they always have a choice. They didn't have to do it. They can close the market wherever they want. The official close is 133.73. The 100 period moving average is right around 134. They could have closed it above if they wanted to. They didn't. That's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. We have some bearish stuff out here. We have some stuff that could be perceived as just a pullback, not really bearish. Not bullish, but not so bearish. But when we look at the bearish stuff, they have to be puzzle pieces. They have to be on the table. There's really two camps going on. 
The market's topped out. There's bearish stuff. It's a tell. And the market's going to go down a lot over the coming days and weeks. The other camp is the market was up a lot. We had a down day. It's not finished going up. And then we're going to go down for a lot of days and weeks after we finish going up. Two camps, same result. Figured I would throw the shorts a bone. They're always pounding the dislike button. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? That is absolutely true and accurate information. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today. So here I will pull the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.